Welcome to another week of the Sports Block Podcast. Uh, Nathan Stacking here, my good friend and co-host Travis Krins joining me here. Uh, Travis, how are you? I saw the latest serial atrocity oh. a couple hours ago. Whoa, whoa. <laughs> this big news here. Uh, this is this is deeper than the, uh, the Kobe Bryant Memorial. Uh, oh, yes. This, uh, what, what do we got here? What, what do we need to, to, to uh, avoid in our cereal bowls? Saw some uh, cotton candy Captain Crunch. It's like, no, I don't, I don't want cotton candy flavored Captain Crunch. Really, don't need that at all. Who is the test group that this is getting through? All of these sugars and chocolates and sweets and all of these things, you know, the with the Oreo cereal and all these things we talked about weeks ago. It's like, who in the hell? Uh, buying this stuff. There was also something I saw which nearly makes you puke when I say it. It was microwavable pork rinds. <laughs> oh. Pork rinds, which are probably uh, wet or not, you know, fully uh, developed or popped or fried or however hell you make a pork rind. It's a flat package. I'm sure you put it in the uh, microwave for a minute and it boom, puffs up the pork rind if that's not disgusting enough and that would think enough. Those are two items that really popped out tonight that oh I don't why I and why would anybody buy that and that got uh, all the way to the shelves. So, <laughs> yeah, again, a test group. What test group is saying, hey, that, that sounds good. Like pork rinds in general just sound gross to me. Uh, how microwavable? Ugh. Um, all right. And my stomach's already a little queasy here anyway. So, uh, yeah, that, that really uh, doesn't make the appetite any better here. Uh, and Kobe Bryant's memorial was on Monday. Do you have any thoughts on that? Didn't see it. Um, there's awesome clips on Michael Jordan and like, I'll probably watch Michael Jordan's little speech sometime. But, well, yeah, I mean, this, was, boy, this has been a month and all the number stuff in the 2024s. I'm, I'm about ready to be done with it. So. Yep. Yep, I'm glad it's done with. I'm glad they were able to. I mean, Vanessa Bryant gave a very, uh, very good speech. It was amazing that she was able to speak for as long as she did. Uh, so, and again, I, I could, I, I can never imagine what the, the pain uh, that she is going through right now. And I'm not trying to make this trivial, but now it's like, okay, everyone got, you know, to say their goodbyes, to pay their respects, have some laughs. We can all pay homage and pay respect to Kobe in the same in in our own way now here going forward, but it's it let's try and move on as best we can. Yeah. So uh, we so. will be spending a lot of time today talking about college basketball because we are a mere you know three weeks uh, less than three weeks from today. Well, three weeks from today or you know from this Thursday, games start. Games start. It's unbelievable, right? Yep. Yes, three, three for me, this is the worst time of the year. This this time, I mean, there as far as sports, I don't think there's a worse time of year. What do you mean? There's like nothing going on. Oh, it's like the doldrums. We want to get to the tournament. We're like, let's just fast forward here to the next couple of weeks to get to the to to the to the real stuff. It's like you know, what's I mean, the past couple of weeks, there's just you know, there's. College basketball, and that's about it for the most part. Yeah. Well, XFL can a month away from anything, and yeah. it's, I think this. You know, we talk about the best time of the year. She's coming up soon, and 
certain other times are fun, but this time this really sucks because there's not a whole lot besides college basketball. It's that. That's pretty much it. Yep, the NBA got the NHL winding down. But, uh, I mean, the conference tournaments start up next week. The Atlantic Sun, the uh-huh. Mountain West, the Missouri Valley. So we are going to start seeing these conference tournaments heat up in full stride here. So we will get to college basketball and send a, spend a majority of the time on that. I got a couple of NHL nuggets that we need to discuss. Uh, I know, but the, these are stories I think that you, like, you, you... I got one of them, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, you know the one I think about a Zamboni driver. But, uh, oh, yes, yes. Uh, so obviously, we had our talking points here. We never discuss what we're going to talk about on the show prior to, and it seems like this is the chemistry that we have developed over the last decade, plus, is just being able to know what we're going to say. But I want to begin with the NFL CBA deal, which, as of the recording of this podcast, we do not know the players' votes yet, but it seems likely that a new CBA agreement or a new CBA will be reached, will be agreed upon between the players and the owners. It will include a 17th game, which I absolutely hate. It will include an added playoff team to each conference and will eliminate the buy for the second seed, which uh, Aaron Rodgers hates. So the one time I think I can uh, fully say I support and agree with Aaron Rodgers, um, among other things. But the 17th game is, is just the, the sticking point for me. That There are going to be salary increases for the bottom tier players. And that's going to be where I think a lot of the votes come from. You have very strong influences, though, from the likes of J.J. Watt to Richard Sherman to Aaron Rodgers to the Pouncey Twins, who uh, uh, profanity-laced tirades about this. They don't want the 17th game. They don't want the extra playoff team. And it's understandable why. You know, it's another game on their bodies. Oh, by the way, oh, they're going to eliminate a preseason game. Well, big frickin' deal because stars aren't playing in these games anyway. So what's the whole point of that? Any So I, I hope that this doesn't pass. The NFL player reps, uh, it passed 17 to 14 late uh, Tuesday night, early Wednesday morning. Normally, you need a two-thirds majority to pass this along. So it's interesting to me that at a 17-14 split with one, uh, one rep abstaining, that this would be allowed to continue. And again, this is going to really help you know, the, the salary increases to those players who are, you know, in only in the league for a few years and, you know, the, the, the minimum salary level players. But with the influence that some of these stars, like a J.J. Watt, like a Richard Sherman, like an Aaron Rodgers have, I will be very curious to see if that influences the majority of, of the players to say, you know what, we need to take a step back and look at this, and I think it's really the 17th game that has people up in arms. What do they need, 50% or what do they need? 50% plus one. I think we all think it's going to pass, even though everybody's against it. For, I don't know how that works, but I think that's what everybody expects to happen. I don't know what, what's in it for the players. What are they getting here? 
Of uh. course, they got to get paid something extra because it's an extra game. I don't see what the players get at all in this. I th- the in- they get us they get an increase in revenue. I believe it's up to forty eight and a half percent. So they get a little bit of money. Um, owners get an extra game. They get an extra two extra playoff games in. Mm-hmm. Uh, what six on that? So how does that work? Is there? Monday playoff games. They just play three games on Saturday, Sunday. I guess there there is that talk. They're trying to determine whether it be like a two three one format or a three and three. Um, I mean, I play them all on the weekend. Don't yep. play Monday playoff games. Geez, I'm sure they will because it's the worst idea possible. That seems to be uh, just thinking the worst worst idea you could possibly have. And they usually go with that. But if they do um, a Monday playoff game, it would be in conjunction, most likely, with the national championship game for college football, and I don't know if that would be something well, that uh, that that would necessarily be best for them. And season's just longer, and I think we mentioned a couple weeks ago about if you could get it to the President's Day Monday, and you could have that Monday after the Super Bowl off, which people like. Um... I'd be better with it if they would have added an extra bye week, but they're not even doing that. So that's, like, if I'm the players, I'm like, all right, I don't like this, but we need an extra bye week in there. So it's going to pass, but I don't know. Again, the players, they're not getting anything for me. They're not really getting much at all. Yeah. The scheduling imbalance that this creates, uh, I've seen that where it's going to, that ninth, you know that extra set, that extra game would be in uh, out of conference game. So I mean that works if you're in Texas and you have the Dallas Cowboys and Houston Texans. It works if you're in Pennsylvania with the Eagles and the Steelers. It works for the Giants and Jets. It works. You know it 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 doesn't work for everyone though. And so it seems a little ridiculous to me that they that they would do this. And one year one team would have nine home games and the other year they would only have eight. Like it just. It, it's stupid that way. Uh, I don't need more football. I this I am so against this, and I don't know if this will be the tipping point for me to just say like I my I, I want to change you know teams so bad. I'm tired of cheering for the Vikings and all this stuff. So I'm already kind of you know teetering on the brink of uh, you know I I, I don't know uh, pandemonium with my. With you know being a fan of the Vikings and you know being a fan of football anyway, this is just I I think it's a it's a terrible idea. It's a terrible decision, and I'm very surprised that if there isn't much in it for the players, which we both think that while there is a little bit increase in the revenue overall, it's not anything large. Um, I it surprises me that. There was it was still allowed to pass. It was it's amazed me that the that the player committee voted six to five against it and then seventeen fourteen to proceed with it. I I I'm just baffled by it and I'm hoping that the influence of JJ Watt and Aaron Rodgers will persuade the younger players uh, that are like okay you know what yes we we would like to get a little more salary but there's a better way of doing that. I don't know if it will, but if Aaron Rodgers says he votes no based on the conversations that he's had in his locker room, then that tells me that over 50% of the players in the Packers' locker room 
don't like this idea. So how how are you going to get that 50 plus one if folks like Aaron Rodgers say that and are speaking for their entire locker room? That to me is something I, I just don't I don't get. I like the idea that that extra game would be an international game so you don't have that home and road difference. You know, they play in Mexico, they play in London, they play wherever, they play in Canada. Yep. So every team has an international game. I didn't mind that. There were some, you know, extreme ideas thrown out there in the past of what an 18-game schedule where, like, you know, you can only play 16 games. There would be an 18-game schedule, but everybody would have to set out two games. So there was just strategic thing of, well, we're not going to play our quarterback against, you know, oh, this team and that team. We're not going to play them against uh, the Giants and the Jets right. or the Bengals or the bad teams or whatever. And that's a terrible idea, too. It, it, in my opinion, yeah, that's, that's too much. Like, that's, it, you know, that was never going to happen. This, that's I mean, like load management in the NBA. Huh? That's like load management in the NBA, where they're like, "Oh, you know, what? we're playing on the back to back here, so like, you know, LeBron James isn't going to play in Milwaukee or whatever." And like, if I if I were a Bucks fan going to that game, it was like, "I want to see LeBron James, damn it!" Uh, like, so if I were if I wanted to see, you know, the Chiefs and the Vikings, let's say the Chiefs and Vikings were playing again this year, and it was 18 game schedule, you can only play 16 games. Well, maybe. Uh, Andy Reid says, you know what, Patrick, let, let's rest. I'm like, I need to see this guy. So, yeah, that's a, it's an absolutely terrible idea. Anyone who's throwing that, I, I know Stephen A. Uh, threw that out there at one point. Well, he can shut the hell up uh, and go back to hoops because that's an absolutely asinine idea. Did he like this? He, he thought it was good because it would, it would show coaches, it, it would make them prove just how good of a coach they were and uh, stuff and it, like shut up Stephen A shut up there's another thing with him a week or two ago another just weird mistake that he made he makes so many mistakes about players who aren't on teams anymore yes. yeah. or and, and people that aren't in the league and he made another one like a couple weeks ago it's like how is this guy the high like, he's like the face of ESPN now he's their highest paid guy and I don't think he's any good. And it's not like he matters. Like, if he took them off, the ratings wouldn't change. Nope. Skip Bayless left. It didn't matter. Colin Coward left. It hasn't mattered. Yep. All these guys leave. They go to Fox or somewhere else for more money. And their shows don't draw fucking, fucking mosquitoes to a, to a shit show. Yeah. I was like, what? What's the point of paying him so much well, when... You know that they're not bringing any new audience. It's the same people going to watch whether he's there or not. Well, you know Stephen A. doesn't have his radio show anymore. Oh my God! Right, because it's now it's a first take. Your take. It's hosted by Jason Fitz, who used to be. Oh my God! Yeah, I don't. I don't watch a ton of stuff, but I saw. I would see clips of this high noon show, and they're getting rid of that due to due to low ratings. I don't. It's, I don't yeah. think it's any, it's nothing other than the fact that they aren't generating the ratings that they'd like to. Because I like Bamani Jones and Pablo Torre. I like that. And I haven't watched Pete in a long, long time. And all these shows are basically spinoffs of that show. And it's like PTI. It looked different. It looked good. I like the two guys that were on it. So I'm sorry to see that show go. Um... Yeah, so that kind of sucks. That was actually, I thought, a 
a quality show. Mm-hmm. So apparently nobody watched it in the middle of the day. But, yeah, I mean, you just have so many shows. They're all the same. They all talk about the same stuff. So, uh, and I, uh, I mean, obviously the 17 games are getting me attention. I have no idea what else is in this thing. I guess, is there anything other, any other dramatic change besides um, the next? I, I, mean, honestly, we did not need the Pittsburgh Steelers in the playoffs last year, for God's sake. No, we did not. I mean, you just go, I mean, the Rams are okay. But you go through, uh, I mean, you go through, uh, you know, who that those seven seeds would be. And like six is a really good number. Like the Vikings were a good team last year, and they probably deserve to be in the playoffs. And but once you get to that seventh team, it's like Jesus Christ. We do not need you know the Raiders at eight and eight in the playoffs. We do not need these these teams in there. Right. And they're going to mess with the record book a little bit with an extra game. And I just don't see any positives. Uh, there was talk, you know, the owners, I guess, have agreed to eliminate the $250,000 cap on earnings, which is what the players would have gotten for that extra game. So, I mean, that was a stupid thing anyway, so I'm glad the owners have conceded that. Um, uh, there's also, I think, let, they're, I think they're not going to suspend for marijuana use or suspend games well, anyway. I mean, so that's, great. that's big. Uh, there's some other, I think, um like drug testing or, or suspension-related stuff there. Like, you know, the, uh, they're going to have some maybe, like, neutral arbitrator or something in there and not someone appointed by Goodell. So that would be good. Uh, okay, other items in, you know, that's a, a training camp. Padded practices would be reduced from a total of 28 to 60. Well, it may as well just be flag football then. Like, football's supposed to be physical. You, you want to know my tackling so bad? It's because they don't do enough in the shit with the, you know, in training camp and stuff. Like, I get it. You don't need to go through the extremes that they did in the 70s and 80s. But for crying out loud, people, like, this is dumb. Here, the Football is an inherently violent sport. It can be made safe. But let the guys be in pads for crying out loud. So. Hey, really not much for training camp now. Like, how, how, how long is what? Two weeks, maybe? How long is training camp open for the like? Yeah, two, two, three weeks. I would say maybe probably like two and a half. They do have a couple off days in there, and of course it, um, it kind of goes through like the first or maybe the second preseason game. Yeah, it's pretty much done. Yeah. Yep. So, I don't know. Uh, when we talk next week, uh, hopefully the players will uh, come to their senses and vote against this thing. But uh, I don't believe that's the case because it's already gotten further than I would have thought. Uh, but hopefully, you know, with Aaron, with again, I said it uh, multiple times, but with players like Aaron Rodgers voicing their opinions uh, as of Wednesday, maybe that gives a little more credence and gives the other players a little more pause to that. And I can only hope. I can only hope that is the I, I the heard case. an interesting idea a couple weeks ago as far as the salary cap is concerned. I guess it'll never happen, but somebody had the idea of the uh, the quarterback salary does not count against salary cap. So that when you have guys making $30 million, oh. yeah. well, that's not a, that's sort of what, a quarter of your salary cap. Yep. And you're gonna have Daniel you know, Pat Mahomes. You're gonna get you know forty million, and it's not gonna get cheaper. And we're gonna have a lot of quarterbacks down north of thirty. 
uh-huh. in the next few years. So that's going to take up a quarter of your space. Um, somebody had the idea of having that not count towards it, which would be tricky. Um, I guess I like having it part of it, but that would create an interesting deal where you could spend anything for your quarterback and it really wouldn't matter. Right. It is an interesting idea, but highly unlikely, very doubtful that it would even go through. So there's that. Uh, NFL Combine is going on right now in Indianapolis. I'll be talking with Jeff Lloyd uh, II from the Lockdown Browns podcast uh, after I'm done with you here to, uh, you know, talk about some of the guys that we'll be watching here. so that what's our, what's our Stefan Diggs update? What, what, what is this again? This you know what? I, I, several where, people. Where do these people come from? I, I, I like you know a great player. Seems a bit childish at times. Yep, absolutely. Um, it's like, dude, I, dude, grow I, up. You gotta. You know what? I, I know where this came from. So, several people have asked me, and I said, I don't care. I'm not going to read too much into this. Here, he deleted the Vikings and stuff from Instagram. I don't know why he would. I don't know what would have caused that. Uh, Rick Spielman has come out and said that the Vikings uh, are not going to trade him. But then again, he said that before that they had no intent to trade Percy Harvin, and they did. Um no. I, we went through this during the season. We went yeah. through this thing. I, but again, like it to me, I I don't know anything behind it. I'm not going to make a big deal out of it. It's the off season right now. Whatever happens, happens, and uh, we'll go there. I think it would be very foolish of Diggs to leave the Vikings because they do have one of the better rosters in the NFL. Uh, he's got a great teammate in. Uh, Adam Thielen, the two, the two of them make up arguably the top duo, wide receiver duo in the NFL. So I, I don't know what's going on, and I, I don't really care at the moment. I'm not going to put a whole lot of uh, energy into it until something actually happens, until we know what's going on or until a trade is made. Is that fair How enough? How about this? What, what do they pick? 20, 24? What do they pick it? Uh, 20, 23, 24. Um, uh, yeah, it would be, uh, 20, 20, uh, no, it'd be 25, I think. 25. So they, the Giants apparently are open to trading their pick. Yeah. Um, at number four, the extreme idea would be to get Tua from Alabama. Uh, since Kirk Cousins, this is his last year of his contract, I'm sure they'll extend him and all that, but. I mean, we've seen what he can do, and that's all you can probably do. Hey, what about this? How about Jalen Hurts? No, 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 no. Okay. How about Jordan no. Love? No, the only guys I care about are Burrow and maybe Tua. Everybody else, I don't like any of them. How about Antoine Winfield Jr.? Sure. For a non-quarterback, yes. Uh, well, how much would it take to jump up 20 spots to four? You have this year's pick, next year's pick, and Stephon Diggs. You'd have to maybe throw in a couple other, you know, third, fourth rounders, but yeah. I don't know if I would do that, but... Well, okay, so what's Tua going to do for them this year, though? Nothing. I mean, you, you're, this, you're, you're doing this for <laughs> the future year. You're all right, we're going to get a quarterback, we're going to hope he's good. Uh, we're going to do the, the Kansas City Chiefs thing of yeah. we've got a good quarterback in Alex Smith, but we think Pat Mahomes is going to be the guy. 
we've got uh, you know we've got Joe Flacco, but we think Lamar Jackson is going to be better. Are you having a established guy, but you're going to go with the rookie yep. who you think is better? We've seen some teams do this; they've had some success. Yep. Who knows how good he's going to be? But um, yeah, it's an interesting, you, interesting idea. Are you like if I'm if I'm Detroit? If I'm Detroit, I'm all over him. I'm picking him. Are they pick five? Uh, pick three. They're, they're the third there. pick. Miami's five. Perfect. Well, then I'm picking him at number three. Because Stafford, can go another year with Stafford. And, I mean, like ten years, we, we've seen what the ceiling is with Matt Stafford. Not his fault, but I would pick him at number three in a heartbeat. Does the, um, the, the sprained ankles, does the... Uh, the hip. I mean, the, do the injuries factor in though to this decision? Do they give you any pause for concern? Because if he's as injured as often as he has been in college, the durability in the NFL is going to be in question. What I've heard, you know, the saying multiple times. You know, the best ability someone can have is availability. So, what I mean. Tua isn't always available because he gets injured. So is that going to carry over into the NFL? Because we could say the same thing about Carson Wentz. He was, you know, injured in college, and he hasn't been able to stay healthy in the pros. So you, I mean, if that's just a, that's a big risk, yeah, it's a big risk to do that. I mean, that would be a big risk, and if it doesn't turn out, that'd be bad. But yeah. So I think there's going to be a lot of quarterbacks in the top ten, maybe four, at least two or three, and maybe another one because it's you got a lot of teams that need quarterbacks. You got the Chargers, you got the Dolphins, you got Cincinnati, another team that could trade up. Mm-hmm. I don't know how good the quarterbacks are. I don't like Justin Herbert at all. I don't like any of the top guys except the top two. But I think uh, there'll be a lot of guys picked. Yes. Yep, and that is something that we will keep an eye on. Let's move to the hardwood, to college basketball here. Uh, oh, thank goodness. Rhode Island uh, avoided the embarrassing, and uh, it would have killed their season, the Rams, had they lost to Fordham. They score a bucket with uh, six, uh, free throws with six seconds left, and Rhode Island survives against Fordham. So that's a big win there. For my Rams, uh, I mean, this is. Uh, uh, we, let's talk first about the big game coming up. By the time people hear this podcast, more more than likely uh, it'll be leading right up to Jackrabbits and Bison, or the game will be just done. But this is a huge game in the Summit League. Uh, we we don't think that USD is going to fall to the four seed, right? Because all they have to do is beat North Dakota, and that seems like it's a pretty likely to do, uh, pretty likely to happen. So if the Jackrabbits win on Thursday, they win the Summit League. They have at least a share of it. But if North Dakota State beats them and then beats Omaha on Saturday, they would be the one seed, and. Then there's the fact of you know Doug uh, of Dougie Doug 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 Wilson um, whether you know the extent of his injury I have been following I have not seen an update on him I don't know if you have but um, you know 
do you even risk playing him and in this one and having you know his his foot get hurt a little more? I mean, he would have a little. I think it's the ankle that's what's bo- uh, bothering him. Something with the foot. Something with the foot. Yeah, foot ankle. He would have over a week because this is the final game for the Jackrabbits in the regular season. So maybe even maybe even send him out on Saturday. I mean, whoever you're gonna play there, you should be able to beat them. Well, they should have beaten Western Illinois last year too, and look how that worked out. Well, they didn't. I mean, they didn't send anybody there, and they didn't play. So you make him available. You know, you play him. Hopefully, he's fine. I think he will be. And if you can avoid USD. On uh, Monday, that'd be nice. But if you gotta go through both of them, then you gotta do it. So I still think they win the deal if Doug Wilson is healthy, healthy, mm-hmm. uh, regardless of who they play. What game is in Fargo? The game is in Fargo. Yep. That's gonna be tough. Um, you know, I mean, no Friedel. I mean, he's he's the guy. I mean, for them to almost miss out on him because of the previous. Administration, that's just amazing. Mm-hmm. So I feel like he's, you know, probably the second best player. So yeah, if Doug Wilson's out, that sucks. But yeah, you need him healthy for the tournament. Think about, and we'll we'll have a full Summit League tournament preview next week. But think about this was supposed to be a transition year, and I hope yeah. Coach Eric Henderson stays with the program for he's a few years. Just the freshmen and sophomores that they have. You know, Doug Williams, I believe, is a junior. Or Wilson, I'm sorry, not Doug Williams. He was a quarterback for Washington, won the Super Bowl. But Wilson, I believe, is a junior. This is a very young team. They're the seventh youngest team in the country. And they should be getting better and better. Like They are going to dominate the Summit League over the ne- over the next few years, I would imagine. Um, North Dakota State's going to take a step back next year. USD's going to take a step back next year. It's SDSU or nobody, as far as I'm concerned. They're going to keep getting in these recruits. But this was supposed to be a transition year. The fact that SDSU is as well-positioned as they are speaks to you know the, the assistant coaches, everyone, you know the recruiting that they did, and also the players for just getting in there and and developing that chemistry. And, you know, between Fidel and Winget and... Uh, and Wilson, they are the the real deal. And I don't think, you know Mims has been very good. Uh, Alex Arians, Detlinger, yes, absolutely, yeah. I, I can't forget Matt Detlinger. So very very impressive so far. Um, and hopefully that will continue for three games in Sioux Falls. This reminds me of that article from a few months ago, like oh Jeff Goodman, or with like some of the coaches survey <laughs> they put like SDSU recruiting. Uh, like third or fourth, I don't know, like based on their geography. But it's like, dude, look at the players they get. Nobody gets better players than SDSU. I don't care where they're from Iowa, Wisconsin, Minnesota, you know, Illinois, Nebraska, wherever. Whatever they're doing, SDSU recruits better because they've got the best players. Mm-hmm. So why the hell would they not be number one? I thought this was ridiculous and. I mean, they're going to have yeah, the newcomer of the year in Wilson, right? I mean, he's got to be the player. Isn't Wilson going to be? Huh? Isn't Wilson going to be newcomer of the year? He should be the player of the year in the conference. Yeah. Second, or USC's got a guy. He'll be newcomer. Like if he's not at least second, he might be player of the year, but he might be second. Like Christ, and if he's that, he might win it next year. I mean, he's finding these guys: Dom, Walters, 
And mm-hmm. these guys ain't not like these are like, oh, we got Mike Tom. Nobody knows who the hell Mike Tom was. Oh, we got Nate Walters. Wasn't like there was a big to do when we got Nate Walters. Mm-hmm. And they just happened to be the two best players uh, for the past 10 years in the count. So, yep. yeah. Recruiting wise, it's great. Apparently, there's a uh, Horizon League, you know, summer league challenge starting next year. Ooh, can we play? Oh, yeah, can we play IUPUI or Oakland? Please, 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 please. No, I'd rather play Wright State. I'll play Wright oh, State. Oh, that's true. Yeah, I got the Nagy in there. Yep. And it's fairly going to be some, somewhat based on your last three years of your net rating. So it's going to be the top teams, and SCC's been the best team in this conference for ten years now. And Wright State's had a couple good years, so hopefully that game happens. Hopefully it happens in Brookings. I don't think I've gone to a men's game since I left college mm-hmm. at Frost Arena. I think I went to one women's game, and that was when they played Notre Dame. I don't think I've been to one since. I would go to that game. If they played Wright State at home, I would 100% go to that game. And I hope that happens next year. If, if the Wright State would either play SDSU or NDSU. Because then, I would think so. It's going to be based on, you know... Good teams versus good teams. Yep. I mean, those have been the two best teams for a long time. Oh, and, does that mean the yeah, Big Sky fun. Summit League Challenge is going away? No, what, the Summit League and who? The Big Sky. West or Big Sky? I, I don't know. I think so. I know they're doing a Horizon League thing here next year for a few years. So. Very good. I don't know, maybe they're both of them, but I know that's going on. Very good. Very good. Uh, absolutely bananas weekend in college basketball. Last weekend, three of the top four teams went down. We knew one of the top four teams was going to go down because Kansas and Baylor played. And I tweeted it out, Krenz. I I'm getting sucked into them. I thought Kansas, Kansas. Oh, Kansas I, yeah, don't, yeah, don't do that. This is it, this. <laughs> Well, this seems like a different Kansas team. You know, we, we kept saying, like, okay, Villanova, show us something, Villanova. I don't know. You know, Azabuki is playing absolutely fantastic. Uh, like, this Kansas team, I I don't trust Baylor. And San Diego State, now I'm off of that wagon. Uh, I was on it until well, you, I... You knew they had to lose at some point. Yeah, but then, but then they were trailing by seven at home to Colorado State Tuesday night. No, thank you. Um... Like, I know Colorado State's pretty good. I know, like, for God's sake, we just talked about the previous administration at SDSU. Look at what T.J. Otzelberger and company did to SDSU, the, the San Diego State SDSU, on, you know, in, you know, in uh, in San Diego. I mean, that, that was incredible for them to pull off that win. So San Diego State, now I'm, I'm, I'm leaning off of that wagon. I would say right now. Uh, my my final four teams would be, I'll take Kansas. I don't like it, but I will. I will take, uh, not Duke. I will take Kentucky. I'll take Kentucky. I like Kentucky. Yep, Kentucky's doing very good. I will take Creighton and Gonzaga. What happened here? See, Paul watches. I don't know. Well, I, yeah, I just, I don't trust them. I, it, it's all about trust, and I think uh, you know Creighton can do it. Oregon would be an interesting team. I, yeah, I, Oregon, I still think Oregon Michigan State's got a chance. Oregon, Michigan State. I don't know. Well, maybe Wisconsin. I picked. But Oregon's looking good for me as far as the team. Like, yeah, they might probably be a four seed. So. Their team I'm considering, 
like with the with the one seed, like all these teams lost, but then like who else behind them is tearing it up? And it's nobody. Duke lost, so they would have been in the mix, but they lost with yep. that team. Maryland lost on the road at Ohio State. So yeah, it's gonna be Kansas, Baylor, San Diego State, and Gonzaga. I don't even know who. I mean, maybe Dayton. 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 Like Dayton would be the only team in there. But besides those five, I don't see anybody. Florida State doing anything. Yeah, if they win the ACC, I'm sure they'll get a one seed. But right now, I don't see anybody uh, moving up, really. Right. Uh, into those four spots, even if Gonzaga and FCC, even if they lose a second game, uh, it's, it's just a, it's a weird year. We don't we don't remember a year like this. It's very weird where there's not a favorite. Kansas, I guess, is the favorite. Yeah. That, it should be hopefully it's fun hopefully it's fun I'm planning on picking some weird shit in my bracket after usually staying, uh, keeping it pretty safe yep. probably come back and fight me but I'm gonna pick you know Oregon as a four let's pick who the hell knows I Texas mean, Tech is a seven <laughs> sure why not Mi- Michi- weird stuff. Michigan State had a great come from behind win against Iowa um on Tuesday night, and it was the second half that propelled them in there. And what's what's frustrating about Michigan State is that they have Cassius Winston, they have uh, what like Xavier Tillman and and uh, and Henry and stuff. Like they have they have legit bona fide stars, and yet they have continued to struggle as as much as they have. It's it's very frustrating. But you see the glimpses of talent. Like okay, you know, they can put this together for a four or five game stretch. In the tournament, um, yeah, like you know, Duke losing to Wake Forest—that's not a good look. And I don't want to buy into Kansas. And, and Baylor is a great defensive team. Freddie Gillespie, the former D three uh, player, you know, he's from Minneapolis. He's he's been one of the better stories in college basketball. But I don't really trust them. I mean, Auburn's going to get bit in the butt at some point if they don't actually put together a complete game and don't have to come up with these rallies down the stretch. Uh, I I I don't know. There there's just so many there. I think I feel like right now Kentucky's playing arguably the best and Big Blue Nation's pissed off because Lenardi has him as a 4 seed. Well, just you know, just give it time. Kentucky's playing well. If they keep winning, they'll be up to a 3, maybe even a 2 seed here before it's all said and done. Kentucky will be fine. Um, like looking back at it now, it was a big deal at the time. I think people are going to forget about it, that Evansville lost. Yeah. But even, even now with Evansville, like literally like the worst team in the Missouri Valley. That's the worst like, loss of like, any top team. That looks like one of the worst losses ever. Yeah. Like one of the worst losses in the history of college basketball when you have Evansville. I can't imagine where they're ranked in, in, in certain things. Being like, like a, you know, a borderline top 10 Kentucky team here, like, they beat them, mm-hmm. and they're, what do they have? Do they have 10 wins? I mean, that's unbelievable. Yeah. Unbelievable, that game. Unbelievable. And then Florida State, I mean, do you want to get your wagons to Florida State? I mean, they've been good for a long time now. Yeah, I don't they know. Well. I mean, hopefully... There's going to be like a, a, a diverse. Uh, I'm looking forward to your bracket challenge just to see who people are going to pick. Yeah, because there's going to be a lot of Kansases, a lot of Gonzagas, Baylor's. Um, but other than that, I'm looking forward to seeing you know. It's going to be kind of a, a wide opening with a lot of people picking on maybe. Yeah. Ten, Twelve different teams. 
absolutely. Um, you know, looking at Lenardi's bracket here, he came out with one on Monday. I wish he would come out with more updated ones, like every other day here. I guess when you know when there are teams on the bubble that rightfully need to um, be updated here. Yeah. But one of these matchups here is in the Midwest region. Texas Tech, Virginia. Oh, God. A rematch. What a great... I mean, that would be fantastic. Again, what if they had SDSU against SDSU? That would be fantastic. Uh, He has Dayton in the same region as Kansas. That's not going to happen. Dayton's the best two seed. You're not going to put the best two seed in with the best one seed. That's ridiculous and asinine. So that's going to... That's going to get switched around. But in this... Look at the Midwest. I would take Dayton. If that's the bracket, I would take Dayton. I would, I would, I would strongly consider Dayton as well. I think it would come down to Dayton and Kansas. Uh, Louisville was a consideration, but it's not. Here's the, here's the matchup though. The best matchup in this region by far, Auburn against the Jacks of South uh, Stephen F. Austin, and I would take Stephen F. Austin in there. They beat Duke. They could beat Bruce Pearl. I always a uh, pretty good team. You like them. Uh, year in, year out. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, Colorado, Auburn, Stephen F. Austin, your Rhode Island squad against Kansas. Mm-hmm. Right? But they beat them, what, 20 years ago, I remember. Um, I think with Lamar Odo. Yep. Uh, you're just going to have to end up picking one of these teams that's, man, there's really not going to be any surprises. Like, yeah, that team beat, that team upset this team. I'm like, well, yeah, I suppose they did. That's why I would say. If you're looking at the East region here from the February 24th bracketology here, Joe Lenardi on ESPN.com, um, the East region is take, absolutely I gross. Would take, you would take Duke? I would take Duke. I don't I mean, Penn State shit the bed this week. Yep. Um, they barely beat Rutgers Wednesday night. I mean, who, who, I mean, West Virginia, I mean, fuck, Marquette, Cincinnati, that is not, for me, that's kind of a junk region right there. Yeah. Ohio State is a six. Like, you wouldn't be surprised to see uh, 11 C Northern Iowa get yep. out of that deal. Absolutely. Or, Unbelievable. Or Florida. You know, it's, it's nine seed Florida. That would be a team that could. I, mean, I think everybody's looking at the eight and nine seeds and saying, okay, who's going to knock off Baylor? Who's going to knock off SDSU? I mean, like the eight and the nine seeds, I think, mm-hmm. especially this year, people are looking at that and saying, you got to pick. I mean, they're always tough to pick because they're basically 50 50. Yep. And like, do I pick an eight and a nine to get to the Sweet Sixteen? Usually, never. Right. And it rarely happens. This year seems like prime to to be the year. Absolutely. And if you're looking at the uh, South region, Arizona State is playing some of the best basketball in the country right now. They're playing the best basketball in the Pac-12. Uh, they have a lot of uh, good players on that team, so they I would take them over Wisconsin in a heartbeat. Could they beat Baylor? I, I mean, that's a very intriguing matchup to me. But if I were to look at, I mean, you have well, shit, you yeah, have Kentucky, playing, Michigan playing the State. best basketball in the Bay in the Pac-12 is like saying you're the best looking woman in Vermilion. It's not a whole lot. <laughs> uh, it's not a whole lot to, uh, to hang your hat on. It's like, well, it's nice, but. It's the, it's the Conference of Champions. Did, by the way, did you oh, did you watch last week when uh, um, Frank Caliendo was uh, joined uh, Dave Pash and Bill Walton at the Oregon Arizona State game? Saw a little bit of it. I'm sure it was great. It was fantastic. It was just awesome. 
awesome. Uh, in the South region, as it stands right now in the February 24th bracketology of Joe Lenardi, I would take the winner of Kentucky-Michigan State to reach the Final Four. In the South? In the um, South, yep. I look at Texas Tech and what they did last year. You look at Villanova, honestly. Looking at the South, I would take Villanova. What? Whoa, this is such a change from like five years ago. I would take Villanova. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, I would take them. I don't like Kansas. I love it. Kansas, or it? Yeah, okay. yeah, Baylor. I yeah. Baylor. Kentucky, Michigan State's intriguing. Arizona, no thank you. Maryland, no thank you. I would take Villanova. I'm probably on Villanova. That's probably going to be a team that, uh, that I might that might be on my radar. Yep, absolutely. And then the West, I would probably take Gonzaga, but it would be either them or Creighton. Uh, Creighton's playing extremely well right now. But then you have your Oregon Ducks in there, so would you maybe take Oregon? Yeah. I probably like more teams in this uh, region than anybody. I like Gonzaga. I like Oregon. I like Florida State. Mm-hmm. Well, Michigan's a five. Michigan so, could, if they could be one of those teams that makes a jump to the final four. Yeah, Isaiah Livers, if he can stay healthy, you have Xavier Simpson in there. They, Michigan's got the components. They have the pieces. Remember, they were one of the top teams in the country, if not number one, at the in the non-conference and stuff. So they they have the pieces that could make a final four run, no doubt about it. I think it's gonna be. I'm very much looking forward to this tournament. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's it's just, again, it, who, it, it's so difficult to figure out who is going to be that team that you pick. And, you know, if we're looking at the conference tournaments and stuff, you know, do, who do we think could be the upset? You know, what I really want to see happen is I want to see Furman win the SoCon because I think then East Tennessee would get the would would get an at large, but that's the only non or that's the only like non power five conference that I think could do that. Uh, like, yeah, I mean, I just don't. You've got, you've got the Mountain West, so you've got UNLV where it's at their home court. I think. Sure. So sure. Yeah. UNLV yep. can pull off an upset. What they get in, or Utah State would get in. Yes. Yep. I'm sorry, okay. I, I did forget that. Yeah, that is a. Good point. Utah State seems like they're going to be in at this point here. I I just I hope Furman wins because I want to see two teams from the SoCon get in. And <laughs> I mean, if UNC Greensboro won too, that's fine. But like New Mexico State, they're they're in this tournament all the time. Um, I get Montana out. I get this Montana squad out of my out of my living room. I want Northern Colorado or Eastern Washington in there. Get get the shit out of here. Uh, but New Mexico State's been a team that could, is always in the tournament, or almost always in the NCAA tournament, because they can run through the whack because it's just a garbage conference. And we don't know necessarily how good they actually are, but maybe this that's a team that could pull off an upset here, that this would be the year for them to pull off an upset. Uh, well, what was it a few weeks ago that was like seven or eight years in a row. Last year was like the exception where like an eight-seater worse made the final four or something. It was an unbelievable mm-hmm. run. Yep. There, you can look at that and say, you know what, eight-seed or worse is going to make a run. It's going to happen every year except last year. I would say Florida 
would be one for me, and Arizona State would be two. There you go. It'll be tough. Yeah, it is. And again, it's all going to be based on matchups. Like we're, we're we're looking at this right now. We'll have the bracket in full here in a few weeks, and that'll be the best podcast that we do every year. We say it time in and time again. Um, it's going to be a fantastic podcast. We'll break down the bracket. We'll we'll pick all the games and stuff. And these matchups will change. Like what we're looking at this now and just saying like, oh, wait, we think this is what's going to happen. And this year, it's almost more important than any year that it's going to be based on the seeding that you get and the regions that you are in, where you're playing your games at. I think that's going to matter more this year and play a factor than it has any pre in any previous year. Just because college basketball is so wide open. Do you agree with that statement? Yeah, I think I would. Yeah, all about your matchups. We were saying, oh, a dozen teams could do something here. Yep. It all depends on what region they're in. Um, I feel like, you know, if, if, if uh, South Dakota State was playing San Diego State, I'd, I'd say, yeah, I, I would take that. Sign me up for that game, sure. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. So I, I do think it is. You know, it's just going to be the matchup and stuff. Is and it's not necessarily going to be the seed, but it's going to be the team that's playing some of the best basketball, the matchups that they get, and the regions they're in. Like if you were looking at at this here in the South, they have projected Baylor to play in Omaha. Now, Omaha isn't that. You know, it's not that close to Waco, but it's. I think it's like the closest site for Baylor apart from Tampa. I think Tampa is the next closest site for for them. So I doubt you would go you I doubt you would send them to Tampa. Maybe you send Baylor to St. Louis, maybe. But like if Baylor's playing in Omaha and you're going against say in Arizona State, well what kind of home to Wisconsin. How about Wisconsin? Sure, sure, Wisconsin. Yeah, because we all want to see that. Oh, oh my yeah. gosh, that would be a terrible defensive struggle. That would be such an ugly game. Um, but but let's just say that that happens. Or yeah, if Wisconsin is going to have far more fans showing up to Omaha than Baylor is going to have coming up from Waco. So the the home court or the 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 region advantage is not there for Baylor. So I think that's maybe something to consider as well. But again, we'll have to wait and see how that all lines up. But right Marcus, now, Marcus, Marcus, and Shep and Kirk are going to Omaha again here. They went to what to Des Moines last year. Mm-hmm. It's unfortunate for them that they're probably going to get a couple of one versus six teams. So I mean, they had some good games last year. They got to see the Gophers win. Yep. But Omaha for a site's not looking great. You forget two one seeds. So that's unfortunate. But maybe the eight nine seeds will be good. But yeah, the, in terms of seeing that mon- that big upset, you're not going to get that. That's why I think the best would be to see a five. You know, go to a region that has the five twelve and the four thirteen matchups, oh, or six eleven and three fourteen. Because that you know, Michigan State Kentucky game that'd be great. Oh yes, absolutely. That'd be a very hot ticket there. So oh. next week we'll have a full Summit League. Preview a tournament preview, and we'll also talk about you know we'll bring a, talk about the latest bracketology. 
We'll talk about some of these other conference tournaments. Then no show in two weeks because we'll be at the Summit League Tournament and stuff. Uh, so that'll be fun. Hopefully SDSU wins that one. And then the following week will be when we do the bracket show. So uh, that's the the lineup here over the next few weeks for you. Um, anything else college basketball related we need to get to? I mean, we didn't – again, there were three three of the top four seen – Three of the four top, three of the top four teams. Easy for me to say. Lost over the weekend. Baylor lost at home to Kansas. That was a very good game. Did you see much of that game? Yeah, I saw a little bit of it. Close game, pretty much throughout. Yep. That was all right. Uh, then uh, we had San Diego State losing to UNLV, which stunned I think everyone. And then Gonzaga losing on the road at BYU, and that was not completely unexpected. Uh, BYU was playing pretty good, and they were uh, definitely ready to go for that one. The crowd was uh, at a you know frenzied, feverish pitch there, and BYU's ranked. So the fact that Gonzaga lost that game is not surprising. Uh, but still, Gonzaga is a very good team. So anytime a you know a top two or top three team loses like that, it will raise a few eyebrows. But um, so you had that, and then you had, of course, uh, Maryland losing, and oh, some of these. I mean, it was just an absolutely bananas Saturday and Sunday in college basketball. Uh, USD women up twelve in the uh, coaches' poll. What's their seed going to be? I've seen a seven. I think that would be very bad for them. They're the 20th in the uh, coaches. That's a large gap. That's eight. That's large. I, I don't think they're the 12th best team in the country. I would agree with that. Um, so I'm looking forward to people freaking out when they're like, you know, rated 15th in the country or 12th or whatever. And they get a 16th or a 17th. I'm going to. It's, it's going to be ridiculous again with these folks. Of, oh my. How the. How? How could you give us a 16th? A seven seed. We're ranked 10th in the poll. Well, that's how it works, folks. So it's another education process of these folks, which seemingly never ends. Mm-hmm. It can always come up. And there was something this week about, what was it, something about how they weren't rated uh, as highly as they should have been. And for me, and then it's like, you know, this is their, like, their official media guy, like their beat writer. This is, oh, here's, here's what it was. Here's what it was. Mm-hmm. Sierra Duffy, great player. Yes. <clears throat> going to be a player of the year. Yep. Sierra Duffy, great. <clears throat> the, uh, whatever the name Smith is for the women that came out, like the top 40 list, semi-finalist, whatever. God forbid Sierra Duffy of USD wasn't on that list, Dr. She wasn't on that list. Mm. And media folks for USD freaked out and said, this this is an incomplete list. This is a non-legitimate list. Oh, so they're, they're, Duffy, they're crying USD, fake news. Not, not on this list. Mm. Mm. You can argue, you can argue that whatever. Great player, you know, she's, I'm sure, like, her stats are fine. I'm sure if you watched her, she'd be better than her stats, but. I just saw that. Macy Miller made it last year, by the way. This uh, semi-finalist list, or whatever that's worth. But she, she, she's better than Sierra Duffy is. But yes. Macy Miller made it last year. Sierra Duffy doesn't make it this year. 
and it was a radio guy who I, who I, who I like, and, you know, some beat writers, some guys down in Yankton that uh, cover the team, and uh, folks at Midco. So you got like three or four or five guys saying how this is a legitimate list, this is for shit, and Sierra Duffy didn't make the list. What a tragedy this is. Mm-hmm. And I just don't, and neither media members doing that, I just don't see, like, Tyler Merriam would never go and tweet out, oh, Macy Miller didn't make this list. Mike Dom never made this finalist list. What a tragedy that is. He would never do that. Terry Vandervek would have never said, oh my God, such and such didn't make. What a bullshit list this is. Mm-hmm. You know, even, even Matt Zimmer, who might, I wouldn't think he would. He might he do it say, to oh, troll. He might hell, do it to troll people. How the hell is Terry Christian not make this list? Mm-hmm. Like, I just don't see that. And maybe you agree with it. You agree with that. I don't know any... Maybe other media members would for other teams, but it seems to me that USD media folks that cover that team on radio and on TV and the papers, it seems like they are so much a fan of that team, of that school. They're glorified cheerleaders. Yes. And that's not your job, as we know. Mm-hmm. You cover the team. And I, I just don't see that, especially with SDSU, especially with any really other, others homers all around. But it just, especially around here, it just seems so much that those guys down in Vermilion and Yankton and Sioux City, mm-hmm. I mean, a few of them went there, so it's understandable, but they just love USD, and if they're not respected, if they're not in the top 10, if they're not bumped up in the rankings every week and fuck everybody else. They're out to get USD even though nobody knows what the hell USD is. It's, it's, to me, it's, it's fascinating how big of fans the media is. And I, it's, 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 not, it's, not, it's unlike anything I've really seen. Yeah. Especially when compared to SDSU or anybody else. It's really a big contrast. Between the two schools. Well, can, yeah, and can I throw my hypothesis or educated guess as to why that is? I think it's because... Yeah, they're second fiddle. They're second yes. fiddle to SDSU. Absolutely. Yes, they are in SDSU shadow for just about everything. And so when they do have that, uh, when they are better than SDSU in whatever sport, uh, they are going to take that chance to gloat about it. it. And rightfully so. You know, the USD women this year are much better than the SDSU women that no no bones about it they are they're fantastic and so they get this chance to to really you know puff out their chest and say yes look at how great we are uh well they better they better win yeah. they better win this conference yep. if they don't boy the yep. SDSU's never lost and they're going to be a pretty big underdog they had a competitive game last week it was pretty competitive for mm-hmm. a while you know 10 points or so yep but, they better win that game. Because if they don't, then Jesus Christ, help them out. Yeah. Help them out. Because they'll be sweating bullets. So probably get in maybe like a 10, 11 season. Oh, they'll, they'll get in for sure. They, they're, they'll get in. There's no doubt in my mind that if they fail they'll to win like, the... Maybe, maybe a 10? Uh, I, I would say maybe... Uh, yeah, I would say 10 seed at the worst. I, I, I really you do. You've got Princeton right now rated like 21st, 22nd, 23rd. Mm-hmm. Princeton lost one game all year to Iowa by two. And Princeton, I think it was a few years ago, Princeton was like an eight seed and they lost one game. 
yeah, I USD is in regardless of what happens. Um, they they just are. They'll still get in. They they will get in. Okay. Uh, but going back to my point that because they are as good as they are this year, they they have that spotlight, and when they feel that they have been slighted, they are going to raise raise hell and try and say like, oh hey. You got you have this all wrong. Like this, we are we are great. Look at us. Look at me. Look at me. Um, and right or wrong, you know that's. I I guess you know it, the media shouldn't be fans, but uh, if you are a, you know, if you can't be like slightly impartial, like Jay Elson for Midco Sportsnet does a lot of USD games, so I guess. From that standpoint, if you're if you become as close to the team in the school as no. he is, and I don't know if he went to school at USD, he maybe did. Um, I don't think so. You didn't. Okay, I I don't know that for sure, but maybe you you do be, start to become a fan of that. No. But I do think that they're they are trying to raise as much attention to them because SDSU has been so dominant and USD is always going to be in SDSU shadow unless SDSU falls off the face of the earth for the next five or six years. And I don't see that happening with coach Johnson. I think this is a, a down year for the Jacks, but I think it, they'll continue to recruit. Well, uh, who's that? Who's that soft? Was that freshman or sophomore that you say is outstanding? Avery, Avery Broughton. Avery Broughton signed her up. They're yep. uh, in that loss this year. They, uh, they would be the favorites to win in Class B. So, yep. Class B tournament uh, in two weeks. So if, out in Spearfish. Out in Spearfish, for Christ's sake. So, do, uh, do, a little prayer for those folks that's are way out there to play basketball. Do you... <laughs> Well, but, you know, we're also keeping Joe Burrow in our thoughts because he has nine-inch hands, and so we we certainly keep him in his in in our thoughts. But um, do we do we think that if USD has a couple of better years than SDSU, that Avery Broughton would switch? It, she hasn't declared for SDSU, but know. but she is. It is presumed that SDSU is the favorites to land her. Her mom had an interview today on a local sports show, which. With you? I don't think, no, I wouldn't. Oh. Oh. I don't know what they were talking about, but I may want to go back and listen to that. That was interesting, I think. Um, I heard something about SDSU winning, so we'll see. Their mom's her coach, so. All right. They've got a game tomorrow night at the win. So, I just thought that was interesting. Um, if they had Maya Selen, I'd give a, a decent chance to maybe pull off an upset, but. Don't have your best player. That's tough. So, yeah. And then I, I didn't want to get into it with them on Twitter. So, because with this, it's, it's, it's really it's it's objective. With with the other stuff, with the the volleyball team, I mean that's it is objective. But you've got some you know concrete evidence to back your point up. Yep. With the, I mean, who who gives a shit who's on the you know semifinals for the player of the year in women's college basketball? It um. You know, something like that. I, yeah, you want to put her on, fine. Fucking put her on. I am not. There were like 40 players. 40 players. Four of them were from mid-majors. The rest were from major schools. Yeah. My point was, okay, who are you going to take off? Well, nobody knows who the hell these players are anyway. I will select a few. So, it's it, been it, a waste of time. And that's my point. I, there, that was what I was going to say, is that I'm not uh, educated enough to be able to determine who are the... Like, I can name Sabrina Ionescu from Oregon. After that... 
I really, I, I really can't name someone else who's who leaps off the page. But Sabrina, oh, the one uh, the, who's at UConn. No, the girl, the uh, oh. girl on the Gophers, oh. the transfer was kicked off the team, or she yeah. left the team, or whatever. Yep, okay. I, I know and who. she hasn't played in uh, quite a few weeks, so. Yeah, so. She's on team for whatever. There you go. Any other college basketball talk that we need to get to? That should be good. All right. Uh, I have a couple of NHL nuggets that we need to get to. Yeah. Uh, which we don't we don't talk hockey on this podcast unless I'm talking with Marcus mainly, but uh, these are a couple of significant stories. Uh, Alex Ovechkin got goal number seven hundred against the New Jersey Devils over the weekend, and ESPN did kind of did their their stats and info, their analytics department kind of looked at what would need to do to pass Wayne Gretzky, who has eight hundred ninety four career goals. And it would be about .61 goals per game, and would be it would take him like three years. Um, well, it'd be like fifty goals a year for four years. Yeah. Uh, so I mean, potentially like twenty twenty four or twenty twenty four twenty twenty five would be that target year. Uh, and Alex Ovechkin has been very fortunate not to have suffered any really severe injuries. And knock on wood, he doesn't do that. Doesn't suffer an injury here going forward. But it is remarkable that he he's has as many goals as he does. I mean, he's he's fantastic, and I think this would be very good for hockey to have this chase, to have the you know because I mean, the the eight hundred ninety four goals that the great one scored, Wayne Gretzky, was so unreachable for so long that no one thought it could happen. And here Ovechkin scores seven hundred goals, and I think he did it in one of like the fastest or shortest time spans ever if i if i heard that correctly like he's one of the fastest ever to get to 700 goals so what's saying that he can't get to 894 and, and 895 and pass wayne gretzky i think he can and i think he will i don't think he i don't think he'll play long enough what is he 34 he had to play till at least 38 or 39 if he stays on pace and you know assume he would diminish a little bit once he gets past 35 I was stunned that he was so close. That this is actually worth talking about. That's like, well, yeah, he he averages like fifty goals a year. So if he, you know, a couple more years, he'd be within a hundred. Mm-hmm. So plays long enough, could probably get it. Then I was looking at Wayne Gretzky's assist numbers, and it's like, oh shit! Like the next closest guy is like eight hundred assists behind. <laughs> oh god, it's just it's like. It's it's a staggering what 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 he did. Uh, you know, Jordan's the best in his sport. Like Gretzky's, like yeah, Gretzky's the best. Who's second? There's no no debating that. So man, he's one of those rare guys that like you know you don't have to guess who is the best hockey player ever. No, like, we, we, we know that one. There 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 is really no debate. You can have the debate. You know, like they say Jordan's the best, but then some players, some people will say maybe it was uh you know Bill Russell or Wilt Chamberlain, and others will say well Kobe and and LeBron James. You know, they get their names thrown in the ring. In hockey, it's Wayne Gretzky, and you you can just talk about who's in that in that next tier because Wayne Gretzky's in a class all his own, and. Alex Ovechkin could get in that class in terms of the goal scoring, which would be absolutely phenomenal to see, and I hope he gets it. Um, 
But, uh, yeah, the NHL season uh, has got about a month left or so. We'll see what happens there. The Wild fired Boudreau, uh, which is dumb. So, uh, Wilder being stupid. I doubt it, but uh, they're in the mix still. So, I guess there's that. Then, as great of a story as Alex Ovechkin is, the story of David Ayers is even better. David Ayers, you say. Who the hell is that? Well, no one no one knows who David Ayers is. He just happens to be a Zamboni driver for the Toronto Maple Leafs AHL team. Well, Saturday, Carolina was in Toronto, the Hurricanes taking on the Maple Leafs, and David Ayers had to be the, was the emergency goalie. And what happens there is like for both teams, right here, right for both teams. Only for both teams right? Yes. Yep. Yep. And so you know he's just in there. He's he's can he's eating the food. He's you know having some water and stuff because he can't drink. Can't drink during that because what if you need to get on the ice? You know even. But if you were a little tipsy, that would be that would be something. Uh, but here he is. He's just minding his own business. Well, the Hurricanes they're they're two goalies because each team has two goalies, and that's it. And that's why the emergency goaltender comes into play. Well, here he is. He, yeah, two goalies down and how do you, how do you get in the game? How do you, how do you, how do you get in the game? I don't know how. Oh, what do you mean? An injury or playing? I think I think it was I think it was, it was it was two injuries. It was two injuries because I believe the the Hurricanes. Yeah, the Hurricanes won this game six to three. So the 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 Hurricanes lost two goalies due to injury. Here here. He won the game. I believe. Yes, I mean they. So he gives up two goals on his first two shots that he faces in the second period. And in the third period, the Hurricanes are like, it, it, David, it, I guess, came into the locker room and said, guys, hey, guys, I'm settled down. Like, I'll, I'll be good here in the third period. He stopped all eight shots that he faced. The Hurricanes defensively played with more energy, I guess, because they wanted to protect this guy. I'm like, hey, we, we want this guy to succeed, so we need to step our game up too. Carolina ultimately wins 6-3. to three. Ayers gets the, and I hope I'm pronouncing that last name right. I believe it's Ayers. It's A Y E R S, and he gets the win, the emergency goalie, and he, he was uh, proclaimed an honorary a North Carolinian from the governor and stuff. Uh, they had a, they celebrated him Tuesday night. He was on with Stephen Colbert. Like this is just a, a fantastic story and something that only can happen in hockey because of what they do. Like you can, that would be like if the NBA care or like it if uh, in the NFL. Yeah, baseball, like a forty-year-old yeah. baseball guy throwing eighty miles an hour. Yeah. Yes. Getting a win, coming in relief, throwing like three innings, giving up a couple runs, and all. He won the game. That would be like, you know, let's say there was an emergency long snapper for, you know, uh, like between the Vikings and the Bears the last week of the season. Well, what if that happens if the both long snappers go down in heaps for one for the Vikings, one for the Bears? Well, then the the, the long the emergency long snapper would have to come in and he snaps the ball for the game winning field goal. And it's a perfect spiral and everyone cheers and stuff, you know, because of what he does. Like that. This is something that can only happen in hockey. Now, some people, like Michael Wilbon, think it's dumb that you would have an emergency goalie. Like, you wouldn't just carry a third goalie there, that you would have to have some street bum 
serve as an emergency yeah, goalie, but I, it, it it's very rare. I think it would happen a yeah. handful of times during the season, maybe tops. Uh, this does not happen. It, it just it provides more charm to the story, and that being the emergency goalie, being this guy off the street, being the Zamboni driver is what makes this story and this feat as great as it is. It's unbelievable. It's, it's a good story. It's yeah, it's, it's like a movie. Exactly. Speaking of movies, the 40th anniversary of Miracle, of the Miracle on Ice happened on Saturday in Lake Placid with, you know, of course the US beating the the Soviet Union in what I believe is the greatest sports upset of all time ever, regardless of sport. Uh, 40th anniversary of that it's hard to believe it was been 40 years already so it, it was very cool that for david ayers that he does this on the 40th anniversary of the miracle on ice i saw him all up on a stage with trump with hats on so that was unfortunate so. yeah well not everything can be glorious uh it's not great but it's not great but it, it's it's cool that the miracle of 40 years al michaels has been doing some interviews and um, it's just fantastic stuff. Um, it's, it's hard to believe it's 40 years. And to me, Miracle is one of the greatest uh, sporting movies that I've seen. I would rank it only behind Remember the Titans. But then again, I'm not necessarily the, the greatest movie critic or reviewer. But uh, I love it. Uh, Kurt Russell does a great job as Herb Brooks. And, I mean, it's it's still just a, a fantastic uh, event that happened, a fantastic story, and something that uh, Mikey Ruzioni and Jim Craig and stuff will be forever, uh, will forever get to be remembered by. Uh, but just a fa- fantastic sporting event. I've never seen the movie. You've never seen it. You should. You should. Probably. Oh shit. Oh yeah. Sure. Have you, uh, did you ask if I've ever seen the movie? Well, you put yes. Yeah. Movie ever. Yes. Uh, so I, sport movie, not best movie of okay. all time, but uh, I would highly encourage you to, to watch it. It's it's very good. Um, even Don't though spoil you spoil the ending for Christ. <laughs> I, I won't. Even though you know the ending, it's still like oh my gosh! You, when that happens, when that puck goes in the net, it's like oh my gosh! I just I can't believe it. It's just it's great. So the miracle turns forty this year. Fantastic stuff. And the Summer Olympics, the Tokyo officials still say it's going to go on. Uh, that's what they're planning anyway, but this coronavirus, uh, it's really wreaking havoc on the world. Asia, uh, especially, of course, and now Italy has, uh, you know, they mishandled the case, and now it's running rampant throughout the country there. And now even the U.S., things are picking up. The CDC says to be cautious. So, uh, Crins, always wear that mask and, uh, you know, watch out for the coronavirus in Mitchell. Yeah, hopefully it doesn't get here just bad. But uh, I think it'll be done with by the time the Olympics get here, I would think. I I don't think it will be. It's like, like what? How is this? It's, it's, it's because they don't have a cure for this thing, or what? Is I that why this is a big deal? Because it's you know it's like a 
Well, okay, I heard about it. I'm like, what is it? It, it seems like it's just a, a like a, a the flu bug on steroids. It, it's yeah, what it kind of like sounds like. Flu. I think it's like, you know, it's your own person or a young person, and that's bad, and those are the people that usually die uh, during flu season. So I would say if you are a healthy person, uh, you probably won't die of this even if you get it. There's been, you know, a few thousand people have died. But, like, how is it different than the flu? I think it. Probably a few more people have died of this than the flu percentages wise, but you know it's that's it's a thing that's it's around until we get a cure for it in a year or two, and uh, yeah, look out, don't go to Japan, don't go to China. No, no, absolutely not. Don't go to Italy either. Um... Let's see what the let's just see what the corona well I mean the World Health Organization uh is is all up in arms on it. It's like a bad flu, yeah. Uh let's see. Really it's a COVID uh 19. That's what that's uh classified as. Yeah, why do they have to change the name of this? Like I think it just confuses people. Everybody knows what the coronavirus is. Oh, they got to add another name to it. It's like, Jesus Christ. A pneumonia of unknown cause detected. Uh, let's see. That, that's, oh, it's just maybe giving me the history here. Either way, it's, uh, it's not good. It's very bad. Very, very bad. Like, this is worse than, you know, remember, like, swine flu and the bird flu or, you know, the... the SARS. What about SARS? Oh, yeah, SARS, of course, SARS. Uh, what about SARS? This, this is far worse than I, any of those um, notable diseases. Okay. Or viruses. So, um, yeah, protect yourself, people. Get your flu shots, drink water. Uh, don't go to China or Italy. Very good. Do you have anything else before we say so long? The boxing fight. Oh, the d- dog, the yes. Yes. And uh, they'll probably fight again. Yes, uh, Tyson Fury takes down Deontay Wilder in seventh round TKO. Uh, Wilder's crew threw in the towel, and some say that, like, uh, Max Kellerman, I guess, from ESPN, thought that. Uh, Wilder should have kept going. Like, this is what you sacrifice your body for, so essentially fight to your death, your ultimate demise, which is stupid. Uh, yeah, don't, don't, don't fight till you feel like you're going to die. That's stupid. <laughs> uh, others thought that Wilder should have thrown in the towel more. And then the ultimate excuse maker, Deontay Wilder, said that the costume that he wore was 40 to 45 pounds, and it made his knees weak because he was in it for 10 minutes or so. Um, and that's why you know, he, that's why his legs were a little weak and he, he lost the fight. Here's the question. Uh, a, first off, he looked like he was on The Masked Singer. And I think he was um, at some point. But B, wouldn't you have tried this costume on and stood there for long, like a long period of time knowing that, you know, with all the pre-fight festivities this was going to take place? Like, this is your decision. At least Tyson Fury was carried on a platform on a gold chair. The throne. Um, he's the throne. He's the king. The throne. Yeah, he was carried on the throne, and you know what? That ultimately, he didn't. He didn't exert any energy doing that. He had people carrying him in, right or wrong. Uh, that's what he did. So maybe Deontay Wilder should uh, shouldn't be so stupid with his uh, pre-fight entry. Yeah, 
I see in interviews he did a while ago where apparently he wears like a 40 pound vest during a training. So this should have been well, nothing. No, apparently he's used to this and he wears that to, you know, for his cardio and so that he doesn't get tired. So he's an idiot. Don't be a stupid ass. Kind of a one punch wonder. And I'll probably have another fight. Because the loser had the option of. They will. They will have a third fight. Yeah, loser had the option of a rematch. Of course, he wants a rematch. So he'll have another fight and probably lose again. I look forward to that, and I think it's a 60-40 split that Fury gets 60% and yeah. uh, Wilder would get 40%. But uh, this is something that uh, I wouldn't say that the fight lived up to the hype, but the just the atmosphere and stuff, I think, and, and the result definitely had people talking about it, or we're talking about it, and uh, I look forward to the rematch because that's going to be fantastic. Oh, that's one of us. There you go. Anything else? No. Spring training going on. Mm-hmm. Twins. Wipe some games. That's good. Ah, that's about it. Mitchell beat O'Gorman last Tuesday. It was a week ago. Yes. O'Gorman was a good team. So Mitchell finally beat a good team. That was good to see and good to call that game where they actually beat a team with the dam. So. There we go. Yeah. The win streak uh, continues? Huh? The win streak is continuing then? Or have they lost since? Yeah, they, they lost. Uh, they lost. They lost their last two. They're 7 and oh. uh, 11 right now. So, oh, man. Um, season ends next Saturday. They're one game playoff to get to the state tournament. So there's that. And, um, you know, t- yeah, 10 days, 9 days away from uh, the league tournament. So, shouldn't be good. I thought last year was probably the worst tournament, maybe. Mm-hmm. And the year before was the best, so we'll see what happens this year. Uh, maybe go a little fork again, maybe Chinese, that's still up in the air. Mm-hmm. Uh, you got Sunday Night Field. Oh, uh, so it should be good. Should be another good year. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, even though I'm not quite sure what I, it is that I will be doing. Yeah, what are your, yeah, what are your plans? I, I, what's your, you know, I, I have no... Do you have a hotel? I, I, I believe so. Um, I gotta gotta talk with Hov about that and see. I'm gonna email him uh, this weekend or this week and say, hey, what do, what else do I need to know? But um, we'll, we'll see. It'll be a, it, it'll be a surprise. It'll be an experience for sure. Uh, Why would they change? Why would they change things? I, I, it was fine. There's nothing wrong with what was going on. It's a new stat. They want to bring what people from the Pentagon? Is that what they want to do? Yep, or what? yep. Using they're using a new stat system or whatever, and the people at the Pentagon have been using it. So, what was wrong with the old system? Why do we need to change it? I, I don't know. It's now this is like one of those like touchscreen deals. So that's terrible. Yeah, it is. It is. Um, but you did bring up spring training, so I do want to bring this uh point up. Here, apparently the Houston Astros are confiscating signs. Uh, like, one fan tried to bring in, a, like, an Ast- Houston Asterix uh, World Series and stuff, and, you know, security told them to take, you know, they took the sign away. The Astros are being extremely petty about this. If you aren't going to come out with a legitimate apology and say, yeah, we cheated, we're sorry, and stuff, you don't have the right to take away fans' uh Signs expressing their disdain for your shitty operational ball club. Here's what you do: you bring in a bunch of blank signs and a bunch of markers. 
Mm. Then about, I don't know, the fourth inning, you make your sign. There it is. I, I, I hope it's just a whole mess the entire year. Yes. Hope they're going to get booed out of the stadium every time. But Bregman, he was in the back with a pitch. It's, it's, it's going to be great just to see him just get shit on all year long. Yep. And hope, yeah. But, uh, you know, Astros, be, be better people. And just, you know what? You did the crime. You got caught. You've been unapologetic, unrepentive. Let the people have their signs and express their disdain for your club. So shut the hell up. Yet, uh, Luis Severino is out for the Yankees. He's their best pitcher. Yep. Like, the over-under on the Yankees was like 102, which was extremely high, and that's the uh, largest in all of baseball. And Stanton hurt his calf, and he's out of for a few weeks. So, I mean, 102, I would say take the late, the, uh, if you still get that number, maybe go under 102 because I think James Paxton's out for a few months too. So, I think wow. pitching's gonna, pitching, pitching was a big issue for them last year, starting pitching. Their bullpen the best, but they're starting pitching. Uh, they've lost the best guy, James Paxton's ever healthy. So, yeah. I mean, if, if, as long as the whole team gets sort of think the two of them got a pretty good chance of making it out of that uh, deal. But I, I just want to look here at uh, where where is it? Here's the, I don't need spring training. Give me okay. So he, here's what I wanted to see: who they who they have to play here in the first part of the season. They get the Orioles seven of the first thirteen games, so that's going to help oh, them. My. So. That, and then they get the Tigers seven times. Like they're they're done with the Tigers before May begins. So um, first month they get the two worst teams in major. That's great. Yeah. So you know what? Their pitching uh, might be down the tubes a little bit, but uh, fortunately, it ain't gonna matter. yeah, because you get to play the shitty Orioles and the shitty Tigers. So uh, there you go. There's that. Anything else? All right. Next week, Summit League Tournament Preview. Look forward to that. Play more college basketball talk, and we'll see what else happens. Uh, But you have a great rest of uh, your week, my friend, and we'll chat next week. Happy, what the hell is today, Wednesday? Ash Wednesday. Ash Wednesday. Happy Ash Wednesday to you and your folks, sir. Thank you. Thank you very much. Same to you. All right. All right. We'll see you later. Sounds good. Thank you, my friend. Travis Krenz, join us here Sports Block Podcast. Always appreciate his time. As always, great stuff there. Lots of college basketball talk. Talk to the NFL and the CBA. Come on, players. Just don't do this. Don't do this at all. Uh, that is overshadowing the NFL Combine. And we will talk about the Combine and the players at the Combine next with Jeff Lloyd II from Lockdown Browns Podcast. He'll be joining us here momentarily. Uh, first of all, we always have to remind you that uh, our podcast is available on podcast.com. Uh, Sports Block. You can follow me on Twitter at Andy Stacken, Travis Krenz at Travis Krenz. Facebook, Nathan Stacken, a link to the podcast posted middle to later part of each week. So tons of college basketball talk. Got some hockey in there as well because there's some great stories in there. Miracle on ice 40 years ago. Fantastic. Alex Ovechkin, 700 goals. David Ayers, a Zamboni driver. Phenomenal. But coming up next, Combine. NFL Combine Talk with the great Jeff Lloyd II. It's coming up next on the Sports Block Podcast.
Continuing here on the Sports Block Podcast, pleased to be joined by uh, my good friend Jeff Lloyd, the second from the Lockdown Browns Podcast. Jeff, how you doing? It's combine season. Uh, yeah, I'm obviously, look, um, you know, you get this and then obviously you get a break and then all of a sudden next thing you know, free agency is here. But, uh, you know, you, you shift from the Super Bowl to this pretty quickly and, uh, you know, the reason they say it's a 365 business and that's why the NFL likes it just like it is. It's never really anything that escapes, I guess. But, you know, it just always, always seems like it's football season. Yep. Uh, certainly there's a lot of talk going on with what's going on with, you know, the, the proposed new CBA and stuff. But now, you know, we're getting into the drills and everything, which is great. Uh, I mean, we've talked about Joe Burrow a lot throughout the year um, in our talks. He measured in with nine-inch hands, and if I want, if I recall correctly, that's like the smallest hands that have been recorded, and maybe forever for a quarterback, or at least quite some time. How big of a deal is this? I mean, I think I think the hand size is blown a little out of proportion, but uh, from your standpoint, what what do you make of that? Well, I mean, you watch him play; you haven't seen him most of the time. You know, he's got two hands on the ball anyway, so the way you would look at it there is eighteen inches on the ball. Um, you know, obviously, you know, most of the time it's two hands until the ball is released if your technique and, you know, the way you're doing your business is. I mean, look, it's always, it's a number that's going to, you know, say, ooh, well, look, there's actually guys in the NFL right now who have similar hand sizes. I believe Jared Goff is one of them. It's something that gives you a pause, I guess, maybe a slight, oh, well, you like him to be a little bit bigger. Um, and then you go, you look at the tape and you realize he put together the greatest college football season ever yep. while doing it at at the SEC level, uh, yeah, I don't think that he's going to have zero issue with the fact that his hand is not an eighth of an inch longer than they would prefer it to be. <laughs> I I would agree there. I think it's I think it's oftentimes overblown. Uh, staying at the quarterback position, Jalen Hurts is not being asked to run drills with any other group, so that's good. From his standpoint, is he one of the quarterbacks that you're looking at? Maybe who has the Perhaps the most to gain this week at the combine. Um, I think Hurts probably the. I think he gained most of it with the one year at Oklahoma. I mean, got himself into you know, of course it is you know a, a quarterback friendly offense, but you got away from Alabama where you know, for the most of the time he was there, you know they were a team that just wanted to play really you know knockout defense and run the ball. Obviously, you know with Tua and you know with the adding of the receivers that they have in this year's draft. They kind of went away from that. You know, obviously they felt Tua was the better thrower of the football, which, you know, put Jalen Hurts in a more difficult position, but went to Oklahoma, showed what he did. Um, you know, got to obviously throw the ball a little bit more, got to throw to some NFL talent as well with Stevie Lamb. Uh, you, but, you know, we had these same kind of discussions about Lamar Jackson, what exactly he was going to be. I mean, look, there's teams that don't care if you're a really, really good athlete at quarterback. Mm-hmm. You're just going to find a way to do that. Um, would it stun me if maybe Baltimore or Buffalo said, all right, well, he kind of fits what we do on offense, and if he's still around in round three or round four, God forbid something happens to our quarterback, we feel we got a really solid backup. Um, you know, I don't think he's going to be drafted with the intention of starting right away by anybody. I, you know, exactly. I don't think he's going to be a first-rounder. Maybe he should. But, you know, you're going to want to get creative with him, and you're going to take advantage of the fact that he's a really good athlete, and if you want to, you can use him to run the ball by eight, nine, ten times a game just to give somebody a different look. There's some weeks where it might be great for the game plan. There's some weeks you might not need it, but mm-hmm. it, 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 to think he's got to go work out at another position, I, I think at this point, yeah, that's just starting to die off. There's enough creativity in the NFL. 
And there's enough guys that say, well, that's okay. Well, maybe if he has a deficiency or two throwing the ball, guess what? What are they going to do? You know, if, you know, and number one, you don't know if I'm running it or throwing it. And if I have more than one option on the field who can run the ball, you know, it just creates for more and more mismatches. It's, you know, good for him. And I think the year for Oklahoma really went well for him. You know, I wasn't sure we were talking about a kid who was really going to ever be much of an NFL quarterback. Mm-hmm. Now we're talking about a kid who's probably going to be a top 64 pick. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And uh, to your point about the position groups, it's nice that you know the Bill Polians are kind of fading out and stuff. Who who might be pushing this sort of uh, agenda more? This this sort of idea. Uh, wide receiver. This is the a very very deep group, perhaps the deepest we've seen in in years, maybe ever. Uh, how do the wide receivers at the combine? How are they going to separate themselves? Even with the forty time, is there much that they can do? What? what how are we going to figure out who's truly like some of the best wide receivers out there outside of like the C.D. Lambs and uh, the the Henry Riggs and, and the Alabamas of the world? Uh, I don't you know, necessarily know you know how the combine is going to do that unless there's a guy where oh you know. Um, me, I think T. Higgins out of Clemson. I, I don't think he's going to run as faster as you know some of these headline guys. That you know maybe hurts him. But when you say hurts him, maybe hurts him where he goes late first round as opposed to mid first round. Mm-hmm. Um, and the thing and the joy of this class is there's literally literally everything. You have your true guys that look like true number one receivers. You have some bigger guys with thicker bodies, similar to Debo Samuel last year. Whether it's you know uh, Lebrice Chanel out of you know, Colorado, you have those types where you can do a little bit more with them. If you want to run the ball with them a little bit, you can do that. You've got your smurf types. You've got K.J. Hamler out of, you know, Penn State, who's really fast, but really tiny, similar to Hollywood Brown. I don't know, and this is one of the things we're going to see, is, you know, who all eventually does end up running. Mm-hmm. Um, because, and this is the problem, and, I, you know, we're talking a lot of Asians going up to this process. It's fantastic that the NFL wants to make this a prime-time event. But the problem is that all these schools and all these trainers that get these guys ready for the combine, they've never done this before. Now, when you're a collegiate athlete, you know, you do all your workouts. Most of the time you do it first thing in the morning. You know, now you're asking these kids to completely 180 how they do things. Nobody's usually ready for a huge workout at 9 p.m. at night. It's just not normal. How do they handle their diet? How do they handle what they eat during the day? When do they sleep? The whole thing, you know, and you're seeing a lot of big games are saying, yeah, we got no intention of doing anything here. So and if you have a first-round client, I don't know I would you know, let him essentially be the NFL big here. You know, maybe in a year once, you know, you see your routine and you see which trainer's got guys right. Um, but, you know, yeah, look, I mean, look, the thing is, you know, if you're supposed to be fast, you better be fast. Um, and if you're advertised as fast and you're, you know, a, you know, a tenth to a tenth and a half a second slower than you are, it's going to hurt you this year in this wide receiver class because there is a load of competition with 55 guys in Indy. That is a great point that you made about the the draft and you know the being or the the combine being moved into prime time here and how that will affect. And I wonder if if teams are going to take anything into account with that. I'm guessing not. They're going to be like, well, there's just a little adversity. You're going to get adversity in the NFL all the time. Uh, is there a guy who is not participating in any drills? Who's not going to be doing anything? in Indy that you wish would be or that stands to maybe it'll come back to hurt them a little bit? I'm the one, and I really like the kid, and I, I think he's just, he's been getting ripped apart through the entire process, so for me it's just kind of like, man, we can do something so we can shut some people up. It's Tyler Johnson, the wide receiver out of Minnesota. Um, this kid is fantastic. His production 
I mean, if he, you know, if he does fall to late day three, whoever gets him is getting a steal. He is a great wide receiver, uh, really flourished this year, uh, and really throughout the entire think, his entire career at the U, the University of Minnesota. I think I think you're looking at a guy, you know, maybe even if he gets drafted a little lower than Terry McLaren last year, but I think he could possibly get the same type of return. Well, you can get a guy yep. probably walking easily, catch 65, 70 passes. He gets himself with, you know. Somewhat of an established quarterback. He's a guy I think I would I'd be thrilled if he came in and be the third wide receiver between Odell Beckham and Jarvis Landry. I think his timing and the way he runs his route would mesh up really, really well with Baker Mayfield. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, as we always say, you know, sometimes the best thing for the kid is to get in the best fit, not necessarily where he actually gets drafted. But he's an interest. He's an interesting guy because you know everybody always wants to you know fall in love with the underclassmen. But meanwhile, week in week out for four years up there in Minnesota. This kid got the job done. Absolutely. Uh, offensive line, Makai Becton seems to be you know the, the the real it name so far here, the big guy from Louisville. Uh, he's rapidly rising up boards and stuff. It's now, you know, mocks are projecting him to go anywhere between four to the Giants, maybe ten to your Browns. Uh, outside of him, and if you have any thoughts of him, certainly share them, but outside of Becton, who are some – Offensive lineman that you're really looking at and, and focusing in on this week. Well, this is obviously, though, for me, this has been the key here right now. Um, you know, Cleveland, they not, not only do they not have a left battle, they don't have a right battle. Um, and you know, everybody in you know, Browns watch. Oh, Isaiah Simmons. Isaiah Simmons, well, that's fantastic. What the world's that going to do for the offense of Baker Mayfield? Um, but you have you know, in the top four. Well, I mean, he's probably like five or six. But you know, Kai Beck, I mean, just absolutely massive man. Six foot seven, three sixty-four. The rumors were last week he was about three. You know, he was under three sixty. So you wonder why all of a sudden now he's a little bit heavier. But the guy's going to be able to move. The question is going to be: it's going to be endurance. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you want to play up tempo, you want to run sixty plays a game. 
you know, you can't be getting in your line and wait for the 375-pound guy to, you know, be lagging up the rear. Um, then you worry about stress on the joints and things like that for being such a, you know, massive-sized man. Of course, the same questions we all talked about with Orlando Brown two years ago, and none of it's been an issue down in Baltimore. Right. Um, then you get to Tristan Wirfs. Tristan Wirfs is, you know, if he tests this week, he's going to test through the charts. He's got a track and field background, so obviously, you know, the footwork as far as, you know, throwing the discus and that type of stuff should line up. He should do really well on that regard. You have Andrew Thomas from Georgia, who is another one here, um, seems to just be kind of getting forgotten about, maybe because it wasn't a senior role, maybe because he's an underclassman, which seems really weird. He shows up yesterday, you know, that, you know what he's saying about you know, three and a quarter, 36-inch arms. I mean, you know, he can throw a punch from Georgia and, you know, essentially have it land in the state of Florida. He's just a big, big man. Uh, you know, then you obviously have Jedrick Wills from Alabama, a little bit shorter than advertised, maybe only a right tackle, which in this day and age, and especially for teams like Cleveland who run this, you know, wide zone, there really is not much of a difference between left tackle and right tackle. They value them both the same. They just want really good players. Josh Jones out of Houston, other than having a Houston Astro, Astros tattoo on his body, he seems to be doing really well for himself. You know, in, looks really good. Um, it looks like he's going to test. Uh, he's got a stabilizer since. Mobile um, as uh, you know the senior bowl himself, Austin Jackson. You know now this guy kind of took a little bit of dragging in the regular season, and a lot of people always oh, is the exact same body he had last year. Well, got to really have an off season. He donated a, a lot of bone marrow to his sister who was sick and needed it. So and it was really a reason his body looked exactly like it did the year before. He didn't really have enough chance to do off season workouts. He was too busy helping out his sister. Yeah. Um, his name is on the rise. He's going to be a guy moving wide. He would be a guy maybe the Browns would have interest in. When, you, when you're playing this wide zone scheme. Um, and, you know, there's still your traditionals, the Dave Gilman and the New York Giants of the world, where bigger is better, bigger is better. But, you know, as we start to move on and, you know, you know essentially, you know, transcend into different eras of football, there's going to be people that say, well, you know, it's great that they're big and strong and all that stuff, but I'd like them to be able to move a little bit. I want to be able to pull some much. So you have a nice group of this tackle class. I think six deep is probably a really easy way to go. Probably maybe even in the top 32, if not the top 35 at the tackle position. Interior, it's a little bit different. I mean, you have, you know, you have a couple of the kids from LSU. You have Lloyd Cushenberry, who looks like the best center in the class. Lloyd Cushenberry is just a great interior player. can probably play anywhere on the interior line. Uh, it's, it's Interesting, you know, we're going to have to get finalizations and see, because, you know, guards, obviously, it's pretty big that you want them to be able to move as well. So we'll get to more of that this week when these guys start working out. But, you know, for the first time in a long time, it's a tackle class that looks pretty good. And, you know, I gave Don Dorsey a lot of beatings over the head in his time here with the Browns. Yep. But there wasn't really a chance for him to move on past Joe Thomas in these last two draft classes, the way, you know, his draft picks fell as opposed to the way the talent at the tackle position fell. So, you know, this year, Cleveland should be able to make it right. And, you know, the ones who give me a hard time, and you know, when you're looking at things analytically, oh, we're going to tackle in free agency. Why would they pay $15 million for a tackle in free agency when yep. they can draft one and pay him $5 million? Yep. That's analytics. Yeah. Um, so, you know, look, it's going to be a fun class. So I'm really excited about this tackle class. It should be fun, and obviously I hope we get to see most of these guys work out. On the defensive line, of course, uh, we mentioned uh, Chris Young from Ohio State's not working out. Uh, James Lynch is a very interesting uh, guy for me, the the defensive tackle from Baylor. Uh, he's big. He's strong. Uh, where where do you look at the defensive line and in this draft, and who has the most to prove in Indy? I think it's going to be the interior guys. I, I don't know how much is truly there 
as far as the you know the, the DN the edge class, I mean, you know you have Chase Young, fantastic player. Uh, Chase on out of LSU looks to be a promising kid, and the fact that he's just a baby, a baby of 20 years old, you know, 6'3", 258, you like that. But it's not really deep at the edge. Interior, it's interesting. As the name you brought up, obviously, the bench. What do you like about him is he can play both, and he plays about that 6'3", anywhere between 290 and 300, so you can probably use that, and everybody loves to accept the fronts nowadays. You want guys who can do some stuff from the inside. You want some guys who can go outside. He's going to be an interesting name. Uh, Lerell Murchison out of North Carolina State. Their weight program down there and fitness program has been incredible over the years. They keep pumping out defensive linemen year in, year out. He's a fun name. Uh, the Kai Fatu out of Utah doesn't really make a lot of tackles, but I mean, you might as well, you know, you might as well pull out, you know, a SWAT team if you need him moved. He's just a massive, massive individual. Uh, you continue, you know, obviously, you know, some of the edge guys, uh, you know, you get the kid from Michigan, Uduche. Um, you got Bradley and I, obviously out of Utah. Utah's actually got a pretty, pretty good, solid, deep group here headed to Indy this year. Bradley and I was like a really good player. His first step and his rip motion was fantastic down in Mobile. He you know, hopefully he can get, you know, can continue to keep, you know, uh, you know, his star on the rise, so to speak, with some good times here in Indy if, if he does end up working out. Um, it, it's going to be more in the interior. You know, Jason Strobridge out of North Carolina, Blackrock out of TCU. Um, and a lot of these guys are not massive. They're more quicker three-tech pipes. They're not the big old anchor balls that are just going to sit there, eat up double teams. These guys can you know, get off the ball, get off it quickly, and they're not just breaking up plays in the backfield. They're making plays in the backfield. The linebacker class, what do you make of this group? Uh, and who's, uh, like with the defensive line, who's got a lot to, to improve in Indy? Well, there are some smaller linebackers in this class, whether it's Taylor out of Colorado, Akeem Gaither, Eric Gaither out of Appalachian State. Well, it's okay that you're a little bit undersized. You better be able to run. No, nobody cares if you're undersized. you got to be able to run, though. And if these guys at that size, now you think about it last year, Devin White, Devin Bush both went top ten. These guys were full-time, legit, like linebackers. Ran four fours. You know, Isaiah Simmons, I don't think anybody's got any doubt about that. And whatever somebody chooses to do with him, obviously, you know, he's a different breed of this. Um, Patrick Queen out of LSU measured in a little under six feet, measured, I'm sorry, middle, middle under six one, measured in at 229. You better be able to run. Um, and everybody seemed to fall in love with him as the season went on. Um, total tackle, I mean, solo tackles, it looked like he only had 37. Um, and everybody, well, he didn't start the first four games. I mean, well, he didn't start the first four games. Like, that's supposed to be a selling point now. Like, I'm supposed to put a first-round pick on him that he, you know, doesn't maybe have a complete resume. Um, I actually like his teammate, Jacob Phillips, at LSU better. He's got he's two inches taller. Um, he's about 10 pounds heavier. Um, the production was there in spades. So if you're telling me it's Patrick Queen and about 25, or Jacob Phillips, maybe, a, you know, early day three, I know which guy I'd rather have, you know, for the money invested. Um, you know, and then there's going to be the coverage. It's, you know, can you get from a hash to a sideline? And how quick can you do it? How fluid do you look doing it? I mean, nowadays in the NFL, they don't really want to have to take their linebackers off the field, uh, you know, because everybody will, you know, spread them out and run it. So you want to be able to say, all right, well, if you're going to spread it out, that's fine. I can keep a couple linebackers on the field because they can run with some of these guys. Um, you know, that's how you can help to shut down the run. So it's going to be interesting. You know, day three names, you know, you have uh, the young man obviously out of Wyoming. Uh, it's just it, it's a it's a weird deep diverse group. I, I don't know how talented it is. I think the money of it all 
could probably on day three. Um, mm-hmm. One guy I really like is uh, you know Dustin Strenaud out of Wake Forest, just solid production year in year out, kind of quietly done down there in the ACC. You know Wake obviously middle of the pack down there. He's had a really nice career. Um, you know, uh, guy out of Oregon is another interesting one, but you know I, I think the cream of the crop of this is on day three. I mean Simmons is going to be gone probably in the top five, if not the top eight picks at worst. And you know then it, then it would be Queen from LSU. I personally like Murray from Oklahoma better. Mm-hmm. Um, but those are probably your top three, and you probably figure you know all three are gone. Mm-hmm. Top thirty-five at worst or so, I'd say. And then you just start you know looking for guys to fit your system, and if they can play three downs, that's great. If they're only most likely run defenders, then you're talking strictly day three guys. The secondary, the uh, defensive back group is probably not as strong as or deep as it was last year, but you still have some good talent. You know, Grant Delpit, uh, safety from LSU, is going to be a top five, top ten pick. Uh, I, you know, going with the Minnesota factor, I'd like Antoine Winfield, uh, junior uh, safety. I mean, he's a turnover machine. Uh, what do you make of the the cornerback or the just the defensive back class in general here? I think for me the cornerback class is where it's tough for me. Um, obviously Jeffrey, you know, hands down best in the show, um, fantastic player. And you know you listen to some of these kids at the combine this year, and any wide receiver they're talking to if they played Ohio State, they're asking who was the best cornerback they faced this year. Every one of them, Jeffrey Akuda, Jeffrey Akuda, Jeffrey Akuda. Yep. So you know. Obviously, you know, you know well about him, but then you go to, all right, well, who's the number two cornerback in this class? And usually everybody comes with a, hmm, you know, is it Christian Fulton? There's some questions of the off-field. Is it Jeff Gladney out of TCU? You're going to want to see these test numbers, how they work out. Well, maybe a little bit of a bigger guy with longer arms, maybe a Richard Sherman type of guy. Um, so you get you do there. It's not that there's not a, a, a deep one at the cornerback position, but the question is, is, you know, if you're not really so sure to say, who's cornerback two in this draft class, then you're wondering where the second cornerback would actually come off the board. I think you have a bunch of number two corners. I think there's a good slot class led probably by Amik Robinson out of Louisiana Tech, who looks like a fantastic guy underneath and, you know, gets a little grabby, but he's really smart and knows how to do it and doesn't get called on him much. The safety class, obviously, I, I still think Grant Felton is probably the highest one first one off the board, but it's never a good look to have you know, teams wondering about your tackling skills when you're a safety. Mm-hmm. Antoine Winfield, I mean, me personally, I, I probably I probably would say I would want him over any other safety in this class. Just because when you watch him, it's everything. And Minnesota knew what they had and said, all right, well, we're going to, we are going to stack as much on his plate as physically possible. Played deep, played around the line of scrimmage, with the linebacker, you know, had run blitz, knows how to run fit, he hits well. Causes turnovers, like you said. Hell, there's even, you know, some punt returns at times when you need Yep. He's a fun player, and if you didn't know his name, and the Minnesota defense tape was put on, and you said, all right, watch this tape. One of these guys is the son of an NFL football player. It would probably take you about three snaps before you realize that player was Antoine Winfield. Yeah. It just comes so naturally for him. The intelligence flies off on tape. He's a fun, fun player. Obviously, with two redshirt years, there's going to be, you know, some deep medicals there and, and, and maybe some cause of concern there. Yep. Um, the fact that he's probably going to measure in a little bit under 5'10", again, something that's probably going to cause you a little bit of concern. But as far as, you know, actual play and production on tape, I don't know if anybody in his safety, safety class has it. Where do you, like, I've seen his range, specifically from maybe late first round to even as low as, you know, the, the third round. Where, where do you think 
his range is right now. Of course, he could uh, obviously improve his stock, or it, it could you know drop a little bit. But where do you see him right now? I'd say right now you're probably talking first round. I don't know. First round is going to be interesting because this is not a great safety class. So you may just have somebody say you want to know what he's here, or somebody even trade up and say, look, I thought, you know, it, it's probably an advantage to him that it's not a great safety class where you know nobody will scream and yell if he's only you know five nine seven eight whatever. Somebody may jump up in the first round unless he really runs well. I, I would say you're probably going to be thirty five to fifty range, um, and it's. It's a due to a poor class where everybody's going to say, "All right, well, I'm not going to value the safety position because there's not a lot of them." Um, I think you know some teams and the Browns are in the safety business right now. They technically have one on their roster in last year's fourth round pick, Sheldrick Redwine. Um, you're going to look to free agency. Um, I, I don't think you can count on the draft because there's not enough of them where you can count on them. Um, so, but yeah, I would say you know you're probably talking one of the first ten names off the board on night two, unless he finds some way. You know, if he breaks four four, hey, all bets could be off. And we have a lot of time to talk about the ups and the downs and the mock drafts and everything. The NFL draft is t- less than two months away. Combine going on right now in Indy. Jeff, I always appreciate the time, my friend. I hope we have a chance to to uh, get together next week and look back at the Combine and see who really helped themselves, maybe some who didn't. And uh, then it's just uh, getting ready for the draft. Uh, like I say, less than two months away. I can't wait. Yeah, I'm yeah, I'm actually looking forward to this and for once I'm actually I'm looking at forward to it from the business standpoint. Um, you know, it, it was you know, back in the day you could say on Saturday or Sunday to, you know, your wife or your girlfriend, well, let me just watch this all day. I'll take you out to dinner tonight, we'll have a nice night. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, on a Friday night, a Saturday night, you know, just to watch the combine or you're gonna pass up the night out when you should get another. I'm not so sure and with, you know, the amount of names that are already starting to drop out. I, I'm really curious if this is gonna do as well as the NFL thinks it is. Yes, a great point again, and uh, yeah, and you know maybe some of the players don't test as well, and they'll say, yeah, we maybe need to move this back. The the one thing is keep the combine in Indianapolis. That's where it has been forever. That's where it needs to stay. Uh, don't move this. Don't make this a traveling circus like they have with the NFL draft. Well, and the other thing is, the best part about having it in a place is you have it in a central time zone. Yes. So this way, it's not affecting everybody. If you're going to take this in, you know, probably, or if that one day, it's out to L.A. Now you got these kids coming all over, you know, you, you know they're going to have to deal with a three-hour time change. I mean, yeah, I mean, you know, just keep it central so at least it's a fair playing field, you know, and it, it shouldn't be something that's fluctuated. Um, like everybody always says about these kids when, you know, God forbid somebody shows up, you know, and, you know, test 30 for marijuana or something. Well, you've been waiting for this test. You knew everything about this for a year. Well, these kids haven't known everything about this for a year. So let's see what happens as far as the actual testing goes. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. That's what I got to say. Absolutely. All right. Sounds good. Jeff, uh, thanks again so much for the time. Always appreciate it. Uh, always enjoy talking with you. And uh, we'll chat next week. You got it, buddy. No problem at all. Have a good week. Jeff Lloyd, the second from the Lockdown Browns podcast. Great uh, perspective as always. Always appreciate our time, uh, my time speaking with Jeff. He's gr- great insight. He knows the guys. Th- drop of a hat. You know, think about how many names he just dropped in that segment right there for you to keep an eye on as the NFL Combine is going on right now in Indianapolis. Great stuff there. We had a lot to talk about. 
you know, for the, the massive upsets in college basketball. Of course, we're very college basketball focused here on the Sports Block Podcast with you know, March Madness, just a few weeks away. We have the Summit League Tournament next week. So next week, uh, hope to land uh, Matt Zimmer from the Argus Leader on to just, you know to preview that. We'll talk, uh, we'll recap the NFL Combine with Jeff. Of course, Travis will be on as well. We'll have plenty of college basketball to talk about. We had hockey. I mean, we, it's just everything. Spring training is going on. So plenty of stuff to talk about and keep us busy here on the Sports Block Podcast. So hopefully you enjoyed this week's edition of the Sports Block Podcast. Again, you can uh, follow me on Twitter at Andy Stacken, uh, Travis Crins on twi- Twitter at Travis Crins. And if you feel so inclined, uh, and you should because he's a very good follow, uh, at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd and Lockdown Browns Podcast is at Locked on Browns. So, good stuff there. Uh, link to the podcast posted middle to later part of each week on Twitter and on Facebook. Nathan Stack in there on Facebook. Uh, hopefully you enjoyed this week's edition of the Sports Block Podcast. Always enjoy doing this and bringing it to you. Next week we'll have a good episode as well. Then taking a week off before we get into the March Madness. It's, it's just the best time of the year. It really is. I can't wait. Uh... This is going to be the most unpredictable year yet. So for Travis and Jeff, I'm Nathan. Thank you so much for listening to this week's edition of the Sports Block Podcast. Have a great week, and we'll talk to you next week on another edition of the Sports Block Podcast. Have a great week, everyone.